Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rail Group On Air, presented by Railway Age and Railway Track and Structures magazines and International Railway Journal. I'm your host, Bill Wilson, and I am the editor-in-chief of RTNS Magazine, and welcome to another podcast. This is Rail Group On Air. This is Bill Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of RTNS Magazine, and I'm your host for this latest episode of Rail Group on Air. If you want to fix or build something at the Mount Washington Cog Railway in New Hampshire, you are probably going to have to make your own tool for it. That's right. The Mount Washington Cog Railway is the oldest mountain climbing train in the world and takes visitors to the New Hampshire State Park, which is located at the summit of Mount Washington. Crews are in the process of making the system more robust than ever before and to replace wooden sections with steel sections. The railway is advancing from 25-pound rail to 100-pound rail, which means the wood that currently sits under the 25-pound rail needs to be removed and new track needs to be dropped into place. The need for innovation is due to the fact the rail is one-half of an inch less than standard gauge. One cannot just look for tools and equipment in the catalog or on the web. To help manage the project, the Mount Washington Cog Railway had to create and build a re-railing car. This unique car is 57 feet long by 13 feet wide and has curtains on the side that can be opened to fill with rail, tie plates, bolts, and all the things needed for work on the track. A knuckle boom crane also sits in the car which enables crews to pick up 19.5-foot sections of track without much difficulty. Many thought it would take seven years to complete this project, but it will be done in August after construction began in late 2018. I had the opportunity to talk to Wayne Presby, who is the president of the Mount Washington Railway Company, on the one-of-a-kind challenges that are taking place on this project. Oh, and by the way, The Mount Washington Railroad is the second steepest of its kind in the world. So here is my interview with Wayne Presby. Well, why don't you start off by just talking about what you guys do up there. Um, I take it it's more of a tourist thing, and uh, you can just describe what goes on on a a daily basis. Yeah, sure. So so, um, obviously the... uh The Mount Washington Cog Railway is the oldest mountain climbing train in the world, and uh, we go up the side of Mount Washington, the highest peak in the northeast in the state of New Hampshire. Um, So this is what is known as uh, a cog railway. We have, uh, you know, uh, normal rails plus a third rail in the center of the other two rails that we call the cog rack. Um, and uh, basically we ferry people back and forth to uh, the New Hampshire State Park, which is located at the summit of Mount Washington, and um, bring them back. So describe just the condition of the track. What made you guys decide that, hey, it was time to do something about this? Um, I don't know when the last, maybe you could tell me the last time uh, work was done on the track. Give me some little history there. Oh, well, obviously, I mean, <laughs> with any track work, track work takes place every day. Um, but, uh, 
these are major improvement projects um, just to um, make the system even more robust than it was before and and to um, uh, replace some of the wooden uh, parts of the track with steel. Um, unlike many other railroads, our track is all on wooden trussel work from the base to the summit. And um, so uh, this new uh, program that we've adopted where we're switching from 25-pound rail to 100-pound rail um, actually gets rid of a piece of wood that used to sit underneath the 25-pound rail to bring it up to the appropriate height to match the rack in the center. Mm -hmm. And um, this 100-pound rail is being laid on, um, you know, specially made um, tie plates that we weld uh, pandrel rail shoulders onto and then apply pandrel rail clips to to hold the rail in place. Okay. And the last time I think the railroad was re-railed was probably, uh, I'm going to guess some of the oldest was probably done in uh, 1874. The original rail was strap rail. So you said uh, you got some specially made tie clips. you want to talk about those and the reason for those? Sure. So obviously it, it, it's crucial that the rail height um, you know, has a direct relationship to the rack height. And so we couldn't use a standard tie plate because it wasn't thick enough. So uh, we um, designed a uh, tie plate a half inch thick that um, we can then weld these rare, uh, pandrel rail shoulders to. And um, then the rail, of course, sits on top of that and we apply the clips. And that provides us with the right height that we need the right height relationship. Now, you guys also were very innovative, and I believe you uh, created your own kind of car for this, for this whole process. you want to talk about that? Sure. I mean, well, first of all, you got to re remember that nothing is standard here on this line. We are actually uh, one-half less than standard gauge, one-half inch less than standard gauge. So all the equipment that we use on the line, we basically have to build ourselves or do a major retrofit to get the fit on the line. So before we started this uh, project uh, of re-railing, and of course, you know, um, the railroad's the second steepest one in the world. The average grade is 25% uh, and the steepest grade is 37.41. So muscling um you know 33 foot long sections of rail around up on the on the mountain would have been quite difficult so what we did was we actually bought much shorter pieces uh and had them re-drilled so we're working with stuff that's anywhere from 16 and a half to 19 and a half feet in length to lay that we designed and built a brand new work car that's 57 feet long by 13 feet wide but uh, and it has uh, curtains on the side that can be opened to fill that with rail and tie plates and um, uh, lag bolts and all the things that you need to work on the, 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 the track. You know, we've got HPUs in there to run the hydraulic power equipment we're using, so on and so forth. But uh, the real beauty of this thing is the floor is open for 33 feet, and we have a knuckle boom crane inside there. So what we're able to do is pick up these 19 and a half foot sections 
out of these racks and set them right into place uh, on the track. It also looks like um, this, like you said, this, this re-railing car is 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 covered for the most part. And, and some of the pictures that I saw or have seen, you guys are doing some work during the winter. Did that re-railing car allow you to do that work during the winter, or could, would you have done it anyways? Well, the the no, I mean that 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 actually allowed us to do that. I mean, the re-railing car uh, is, is a major advancement for us because. Uh, first of all, it protects the crews from the wind and the weather, which, you know, Mount Washington, being known for the worst weather in the world, conditions are not always great to work on the track. This probably increased the number of days that we can get out there by 75, 80%. Um, and uh, in addition, yeah, we can actually do work uh, in the winter, but uh, better yet, we can do work all night because we have incredible LED lighting throughout this whole thing. And so we can actually work on the tracks all night long, which they never were able to do before. So take me through the construction sequence here. Uh, you know, when you put in a new section of track, can you just talk about that whole process and describe it? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I actually was up on the hill the other day, and um, I was working with one of the crews up there, and we had the record for the day. We laid 440 new feet in one day, which was pretty good. Um, but uh, the, the general process is this. Um, we, we go up on the hill. We, uh, since, since this existing rail is supported by a piece of wood, um, we uh, go through there, and the track system is held together with both spikes and bolts and uh, the bolts have nuts and stuff on the bottom of them. So those all have to be taken off. And then we hydraulically, using a hydraulic spike puller, we pull these spikes and the bolts out. And these bolts are like 24 inches long. So we pull all those out, and then, of course, we cut the old rail and the wooden side piece, which we call it, um, and we cast those aside. And then we put these new tie plates down that um, we have designed onto uh, the cross ties, and then we pick the rail up and we set it down onto those tie plates. And then, of course, we apply the joint bar, and um, then, of course, we have specialized gauging tools so that we can, you know, pull the rail in one direction or the other to get the proper gauge down. And once we reach that gauge, um, we drill it and uh, we put in new ten and a half inch lags uh, through the uh, new tie plates. And about how long does it take to install a typical section? Well, <laughs> interestingly enough, the last fall we started, and I would send uh, two crews out for sixteen hours, and we were probably lucky if we got four rails in. Um, a good crew now will lay eight rails in three hours. Um, and like I say, uh, up at the uh, top of the mountain where the going is fairly flat, uh, we were able to lay 440 linear feet of track um, in one day. Wow. So and what part of the project are you at right now in terms of percent completion? Uh, are you coming to a close here? Are you getting close to the end? Yeah. So. so <laughs> Originally, uh, this project, people had uh, speculated it would take seven years to complete, and um, it'll be done in over a year and a half. 
Um, we're right now um, we have about 3,000 feet left to complete, and so I'm figuring at the latest, the end of August, we'll be done. What has allowed you to cut that schedule so dramatically? Has it been the whole re-railing car innovation or some other innovations as well? Well, um, first of all, I've got a great crew of northern New Hampshire workers that are very talented and uh, knowledgeable and diligent, and if it wasn't for their dedication to their job, it wouldn't have gone that fast. But uh, along with that, um, there's just all these innovations from the work car um, using all hydraulic tools. Um, up until this year, most of the tools that they were using were manual. Um, and so, you know, um, again, we have hydraulic spike pullers and stuff. That, that was a, a, something that sped things up tremendously. Um, you know, um, again, we have, um, you know, uh, rail drills, you know, to connect um, uh, one piece of rail to another if we have to cut it off to make a splice. Um, you know, it's just uh, all, ki all kinds of things like that. Um, and we just have the whole complement of, of the most modern tools available for doing track work at this point. The only difference is I can't set them on the rails and just roll them up and down. I mean, there is handwork involved, obviously. Um, probably one of the biggest innovations we had is since our track is on trestle work, you know, um, we started putting down, uh, you know, uh, that stuff called drip strut uh, over all of the ties, so it makes a beautiful walkway for us to work on, which um, really sped up production. So grip strut, you've seen this before. They put it on walkways where it, it might get icy or slippery. Um, you know, it's a perforated steel product that has pretty sharp edges on it. So it, it affords you really good traction. And uh, what we do is we take this up, and as we get into the location to start working on the track, we set down these long sections of that that are hooked into the track. And now we have a perfect walkway to walk up and down from one end of the uh, work car to the other. Pulling spikes. I mean, you know, you got to have, you know, some place to have firm footing, you know. I mean, we wear harnesses and fall prevention devices and all that business, but it speeds up the work if, if it's easy to find your footing, especially when you're working on areas that are anywhere from, you know, two feet off the ground to 25 feet off the ground. Talk about what it's been like to work with the steep grades that you've been talking about. Uh, is it, does, it, does it offer up challenges for you, even though you have these, all these innovative tools to work with? Well, it, it's, um, you know, on the steeper grades, it's, it's obviously more strenuous work because you're, you're walking up and down hill all the time. Um, you know, the, the equipment has uh, made that work much easier, um, but... but um, it, it takes more out of you working on those steeper grades, for sure. Yeah. So you're still able to provide your service during all this construction. Is it just a matter of when a section is done, uh, you basically are complete, and then you can still ride on the on the old existing track? Right. So, so yeah, we, we actually also designed our own uh, comp bars that go between the 25-pound rail and the 100-pound rail. Uh, so that we can have places where we can splice that in. 
But obviously, a lot of uh, the work that we got on the track project uh, was afforded us by virtue of the fact that for several months, I normally would open the first weekend in April. We weren't given permission to open until the 15th of June. So I took all that time when we were running no trains to make as much progress on the track as possible. About how many people do you guys service uh, every during your season? Well, uh, last year was our eighth record year in a row, and uh, it was 130,000 people. So, so, so part of the reason that that we we've been able to have all those records is we built so many of these new diesel locomotives. Now, you know, we design and build all our own equipment here. So we designed and built our own steam engines. We designed and built our own diesel engines. We've got now seven diesels and two operational steamers, which is the largest fleet in the railroad's history. Wow, just so much innovation there. Uh, so going back to the, the pandemic, as far as your working yes. environment to install this track, I mean, I see again. I've seen pictures, so I, I know there's not a whole lot of workers inside this re-railing car. But did that did that require any adjustments as well, or or not so much? Well, um, you know, um, the uh, the guys that are working on the track. I mean, yeah, you know, they maintain social distancing as they're working on that track, and and when they're when they're together, they're they're required to wear their masks and and um, so yeah, we've had to we've had to follow uh, those uh, those things uh, as well, and you know that that might have slowed down progress a little bit, but I think most of the guys have gotten used to you know what they need to do to be um, you know appropriate citizens and and help to sort of you know dispel this whole mess we're in. So. Anything else you want to add about this project? Uh, we can probably go on and on and on here, but um, is there oh. something there you want to talk about that we haven't talked well, about? Well, so, you know, I bought this place when I was 26 years old in 1983. So this is my 38th season of uh, being involved with the railroad. And, um, you know, so uh, there's been a lot of innovation here, Bill. I couldn't even start to go through it all. I mean, all brand new switches, you know, a passing loop, um, you know, new braking systems, um, you know, new 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 um, um, ratchet and pawl systems, you know, basically uh, that have been uh, put in the, the uh, cars. We've done tons of things to um, soundproof them, make them quieter, um, you know. But it, again, it's all about the customer. Um, you know, I really uh, I watch very closely comments from customers about things that they don't like or do like about the ride, and um, I use that sort of as my game plan on what improvements to make. How do you get the opinions of the customers? Do you have them fill out a survey, or? Well, I find the best thing is just social media. You know, because then it's sort of unbiased. I mean, if I put a uh, survey together, you know, that sort of taints the answer. I'd much rather be able to just have them, you know, make a comment out online, and then I track all those comments and put them in categories, and and uh, the ones that I get the most of are the ones that I try to address first. Did 
and you know did that strategy come into play here uh, when you're talking about this construction of this of this track at all or or no to be honest honest with you i mean uh i think our our employees have been post have posted a lot of stuff uh i'm not i'm not sure that the folks notice the difference as much as we do okay you know what i mean um yeah. the track was smooth before it's even smoother now but I think they sort of expect that and they don't think much about it, but you know, the system that we're using is one of the most advanced systems made. Um, and uh, so we're, we're very happy to have gotten this, gotten the opportunity to get this project in and get it done. I mean, you know, like I said, I've been here so long, this is sort of like my legacy. So, you know, getting big projects like this finished are, are really uh, big things I'd like to get accomplished before I pass on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you know, one of the other big things that we're doing is, um, uh, and this is actually the biggest project this summer, is we're building a brand new maintenance facility, uh, 34,000 square feet. Um, our current maintenance facilities are only 12,500. And so we're almost tripling our maintenance facility We've got two 10-ton overhead cranes going in the building. We're going to be using air casters to move the engines around inside the shop. There'll be no fixed tracks anywhere in the building. They can all be disassembled and moved around. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a huge project that is just going to have tremendous ramifications here because uh, I think I mentioned, you know, one of the biggest problems I always had here, the challenges at the railroad, was lack of infrastructure here. When I bought this place in 1983, I didn't even have commercial grid power out to the site. I had uh, no right to use either one of the roads to get out here in the wintertime. None of the buildings were winterized. Uh, there was no winter water supply. So... First of all, I had to get power in. Then I had to get the use of uh, a road to get out here. Then I had to get the buildings winterized, so on and so forth. So, you know, these infrastructure things that we're doing now, um, you know, it just had a dramatic impact on the whole operation um, because they're, they're, you know, they're such uh, efficiency gainers, if you will. With all that innovative energy going on up there, is there anything you guys can't do? <laughs> you know, uh, to be honest with you, um, if we put our mind to it, uh, I think we can do just about anything. Um, I'm not talking about space shuttles now, but <laughs> when it comes to running uh, and uh, operating mountain climbing trains, I think there's just about anything that we can do at this point, yes. So you know that show Survivor where they put you on an island and you have to come up with ways to hunt for food, build shelter, build a fire? Yeah, if I was ever on that show, I would want Wayne Presby to be on my team. Hopefully he would not vote me out way too early. I'd like to thank Wayne for joining us today. That's it for this episode of Rail Group On Air. For RTNS Magazine and Rail Group On Air, I'm Bill Wilson. 
and I will see you down the line.